Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, this is John Lee Dumas of EO Fire and welcome to Master Leadership. Great leaders ask great questions and this podcast takes you on a journey to master leadership with questions that matter to leaders who matter with your host, Lily Sinabria. Hi, this is Lily, and today we are speaking with Tanisha Malcolm Wint. With over 10 years as a nonprofit professional, Tanisha has high level performance in relationship building, decision making, fundraising, and communications. She is committed to producing extraordinary results for community based and mission driven organizations. Currently, Tanisha serves as the Community Engagement Manager for Greater Newark, LISC, supporting nonprofit community development organizations across the city of Newark and neighboring communities to transform distressed neighborhoods into healthy and sustainable communities of choice and opportunity, good places to work, do business, and raise children. Tanisha works diligently to engage community members locally and in the Caribbean. She has strong skill sets in developing and managing community programs with emphasis on public health, public policy, and leadership. With over 10 years in the nonprofit sector, Tanisha has a proven track record of directing large scale innovative fundraising strategy development and implementation efforts. In 2016, Tanisha launched TNM Consulting LLC to deliver large scale innovative fundraising strategies and implementation efforts for nonprofit organizations. She currently serves as Commissioner for the City of Newark's Caribbean Commission, member of the Jamaica Diaspora Organization Community of Practice, and member of the Greater Newark Conservancy Community Advisory Committee. Tanisha is also a fellow of Leadership Newark. She earned her bachelor's from Bloomfield College with a major in English communications and is currently pursuing a master's degree at Rutgers University in public health with a concentration in urban health administration. So welcome, Tanisha Malcolm. How are you? I am well. And yourself? I'm doing well, and we are so happy to have you on our podcast. As you know, this podcast takes us on a journey to master leadership. So are you ready to pour into our listeners? I sure am. Awesome. Now, Tanisha, can you tell us a bit about your path to leadership and what you're doing now? So my path to leadership, I would say, started when I was about in middle school and had a really interesting and unique opportunity to work with school teachers to kind of bolster what it is I had the ability to do. So I don't know if you remember a nonprofit organization by the name of Junior Achievement. Yes, of course. It was prevalent in my school and they were doing a pilot program. And that was really my first introduction to what it means to be a strong and dynamic leader. And it really kind of developed me from inception as to what it takes to be confident, to be a thought leader, to work collaboratively with others, and to really work hard towards achieving goals. 
And everything that I took in middle school, I'm 34 years old now, but everything that I learned when I was like 12 really stuck with me. I'm even in touch with my instructor who taught me in sixth grade to this day. So she poured a lot into myself and many other participants that really, I think, build and developed me as a young leader, which led me into the adult leader that I am today. And what is it that you do now? So I'm currently working for a national nonprofit intermediary organization named Local Initiative Support Corporation. And my role as an assistant program officer is to work in communities that are disinvested mm-hmm. to build the capacity of residents as well as local institutions, anchor organizations, on developing capacity, building leadership development, identifying issues and creating solutions around them and giving them the tools and equipment they need to be change makers in their neighborhoods. Wow, it sounds like an incredibly important journey. And it It sounds like incredibly important responsibilities. Now, you said part of that was building leadership development. Yes. Tell me a little bit about that. So there are several platforms that we have to help identify the skill sets that residents have. We have folks that are really at a novice level of, you know, I don't really know how to create solutions in my neighborhood. I filed complaints to local government, or I've tried to organize people on my block, and they've just not been excitable or willing to support. So they've kind of given up hope. Mm -hmm. And then we have the person that's in that mid-level that is kind of there, but not totally there yet. So they're moving and shaking, but they're not actually making any impact. Mm -hmm. Then you have those high-functioning residents who have lived in the neighborhood for many years and have seen it from its generational over the time, what it's been, what it was in the beginning and where it is now, who are the ones that are going to city hall and town hall meetings and filing those complaints. So with a diverse array of residents and community stakeholders, it is identifying everyone's strengths and weaknesses Mm -hmm. and really figuring out how to kind of align folks who have the ability to do things and have done things successfully and align them with folks that may have some deficiencies and create some kind of synergy and balance. So we have efforts that include leadership development training, where we bring in experts to kind of guide and navigate folks on how to be effective, Mm -hmm. from being a great public speaker to making sure you're doing your research, to make sure you have facts and not just assumptions or inflammatory information. Mm -hmm. Helping folks to hold people accountable and identify ways in which they can really see the change in their neighborhoods, whether it be a young leader taking up tasks that they would not generally take up before. Like, how do you help inspire others? How do you set the example and lead by example so that others are moved and feel motivated to do the same thing? So it's leadership courses and development, listening to the concerns of residents and really aggregating that information to develop courses that speak to them and their immediate needs. Great work. All right. So Tanisha, how would you describe your leadership style? So I would describe my leadership style as one that is generally inclusive. 
I see great value in collaborating with people who are like-minded. Mm-hmm. Uh, I may have brilliant ideas, but someone may have ideas that are greater and better than mine. So while I think I'm really good at something, my neighbor may be great. Mm-hmm. So I, I generally work in spaces that definitely include and involve the thoughts, suggestions, and ideas and skills of others. Mm-hmm. And I think that really helps to make me a dynamic leader because I'm, while demonstrating my skill, also highlighting the skills and assets of others. So you're inclusive, collaborative. You also value other people. Definitely. Thank you so much for that. Now, which quote or quotes about leadership speak to you and why? So there is a blogger that I follow by the name of Brian Tracy. Um, Mm -hmm. He's also an author and he has a quote that states, become the kind of leader that people would voluntarily want to follow, even if you had no title or position. And it speaks to me because it's a very perfect example of an individual who just has the ability for people to follow them without having a series of letters after their names. It's great to have credentials, but sometimes the credentials mean nothing if you're not actually working with others to bolster and enhance your ability and skills. Agreed. I think People who are strong leaders, who are not constantly reminding people they have a PhD, an MSW, an LL, all these other letters in the alphabet after their name, it does not speak to your ability to lead. Your ability to lead is based on who you are, your personality, how well you work with others. Do you actually accomplish the things you set forth in doing with or without letters before or after your name? And I'm assuming that those are the types of leaders that you're inspired by as well, right? Definitely. Now, what's the best advice you've ever received? So the best advice I've ever received was from a old boss that I worked with. And she said words that kind of resonate with me. And she said to not let the blind proofread my visions. Mm. This was over maybe eight years ago. Mm-hmm. And at first I didn't really understand what she meant by that. Mm-hmm. And then as I continue to turn to folks and probably seek their advice and direction, I realized that they actually did not have my best interests at heart. And in doing such, they could not really advise me in a way that was beneficial to myself or my work. And they sometimes had hidden agendas, right? So they would say one thing, and even if they saw something that was probably not credible or not worthy, they wouldn't correct me. And it wasn't that they were afraid that if they shared a critique with me that I would take it as judgment. They just wouldn't provide constructive criticism because they had their own agenda and they wanted to accelerate and kind of leave me behind. So it was a quick lesson learned on making sure I'm surrounding myself with people that see my vision and support me in my vision Mm -hmm. and are not competing with me, but yet building and holding me up. And as we know, we are all greater and better together. You know, I can certainly relate to this. And I love that advice to not let the blind proofread my vision. Right. Um, I've also encountered people who do have my best interest at heart, but don't share the vision or don't get the vision. Right. Right. So it's a matter of, you know, we can either tweak 
the vision or express it in a different way where people do get it. So part of that onus is on us as well. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, it's uniquely your vision and we do need to guard that. So thank you so much for that. Now, Tanisha, what does it mean to have a good team and how do you build and sustain one? So I think a good team starts with great communication. Mm -hmm. I think when you develop a line of communication with folks that they hear you, you hear them, there are times where you will agree, there are times where you disagree, you can still find a medium space, not just one-on-one, but in group settings, be able to bounce ideas off of each other to still attain what it is that you're trying to attain at the end. Mm -hmm. I think being kind and gracious is definitely a key thing. Again, we always work in spaces sometimes where people are not showing a gracious or gratitude type of approach and you're wondering are they appreciative of me are they appreciative of my thoughts are they appreciative of the work that it is that we're doing together so i think just simple things asking using words like please saying things like thank you judging less being more patient being honest with each other Mm-hmm. speaking well of others rather speaking negatively and I think when I look at sustaining and building teams I really try to work with folks who choose faith over fear so sometimes you have to take a risk and you have to be willing to take that risk with your team members and I think if you do it in a spirit of hey we may lose out on this or we may triumph from it right right, right. Just, just taking the leap and the step out on faith and not being apprehensive or having trepidations about what it is that you're going to set up to do. So it it involves taking risks, right? Definitely. Yeah. And so how does trust play a role here? And as a leader, how do you develop trust? That's a tough one. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I think it's really trial and error. I think it is holding folks accountable and seeing how they come through for you, how they show up. And the same for myself. If I say I'm going to do something and I'm going to do it within a particular window or I'm going to do it with a quality and care, I want to make sure that the things that I say I'm doing, I'm actually doing them. And I'm doing them with intentionality rather than doing it just to say it's been done. So going into spaces where again people are holding me accountable i'm holding them accountable i think develops and strengthens lines of trust among team members and leaders well said thank you so much tanisha now can you tell us about a challenge that you've experienced and how it shaped your life a challenge that i've experienced that has shaped my life um, is being in spaces with people who are just critical in ways that are not constructive. So I've worked with strong women who are thought leaders, who are very clear on what it is their goals and visions are and desire to work in teams and desire to work in diets and triads. But when in those spaces, they're actually not very effective. So at the offset, Generally, when I'm aligning myself with a group or an individual, I like to kind of get a sense of what their personality traits and characteristics are, because then I can identify their work styles, they can identify my work styles, and again, we create that balance. So 
I've been faced with those challenges. I've learned from those experiences where I didn't work with folks that I really knew well enough. And we kind of just went headfirst into things and they became a disaster and they became monstrous because we didn't understand each other's work styles well. So it's lessons learned from that that have helped me shape my abilities to work forward in groups. You know, I thrive off of this group setting and in order for me to thrive and be effective, I need to make sure that I'm identifying all of the attributes that make those team efforts worthwhile. I can certainly relate to this, you know, to work with someone who's always critical and judgmental. That's not a good place to be. You also can't pick your teams, right? Right. If you all have a goal in mind or if you temporarily work together for a shared goal, how do you deal with that? Because I know, Tanisha, that's a tough one. So how do you walk in that space and not take on all that? criticism and negativity and so internally I handle those situations by following through with affirmation so given that I've been in those circumstances and situations on many of occasions and have been in spaces where I was deeply frustrated to the point where I'm like, I just don't want to do this project anymore, or I don't want to work with this person anymore. And I realized that it was a disadvantage to myself because I never mastered it. I never developed mastery initially of this is how you handle a difficult situation. Mm -hmm. And it took me sharing and venting to others in my network who came before me, right? So I have great admiration for people who are seasoned and who are senior level and have been in the industry for many years before myself. And they'd say to me, you know, you can't take on everything and you have to be able to know when to turn on and turn off. And one particular colleague, Colleen Porsche, she's just awesome. I can't even find all of the words to describe her, but Six years ago, I met her while working at United Way. She shared with me a book that she literally had in her pocketbook that was tattered. And she gave it to me. She'd been walking with it for many years. And she said, there are four simple things that you should consider following. They will help you on your journey, especially in those times when there are difficult situations. I'm like, four things. Okay, great. What do I do with that, right? I can, I can do four. I can do four. Right. So she, <laughs> she says, if you say these things to yourself daily, to affirm yourself that these are the things that you will live by, and not just in your professional life, but in your personal life, you will see drastic change. Mm-hmm. I took the book. I threw it in my bag, paid no mind to it, and then faced with the situation, and I said, you know what, I'm going to call Carlene. And before I could even begin to vent and share with her, her first question to me was, did you pick up that tool I gave you? Mm. And I said, no. And she says, pick it up, read through it, call me back, or let's talk later. And it was The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz. (laughs) And those four things have stuck with me and... I try my best to live by them. I'm still a work in progress. As Mm -hmm. I said, I'm no master of anything, but I try my best to live by those four agreements, which are to be impeccable with my word, to not take anything personally, 
to never make assumptions and to always try my very best. And I find that in those situations where there are difficulties and there are folks that don't want to work well together, I'm not working well with them. If I kind of keep those things as my four indicators and reminders, it helps me to develop foundational methods to approach certain circumstances. So I live by those four things. I try my best to repeat those daily affirmations to myself. And I try to apply and align them in all of the things that I do. Tanisha, I love how when faced with these difficult situations, we can't control the way people are. Um, We can certainly influence. But I love how you take yourself on and that you decide, okay, this is a difficult situation, but I can grow from it. Thank you so much for sharing that. The other thing I wanted to kind of tap into and talk about is how you reached out to someone. How important is it to have a coach, a mentor in your life? I think having a mentor or a coach in your life is an added benefit to helping to develop and create your character. I think having someone that can provide support and guidance when you are unsure about something Mm -hmm. is definitely an asset. I've had coaches, I've had friends, I've had just people in my network who've invested their time and energy in me and have sometimes told me things that may be really hard to hear, but things that I know will kind of help shape and foster me into a better person and a better leader. So I encourage it. I implore anyone if they have access or resources to identifying an individual who will be honest and straightforward with them about who they are as a person. I encourage them to take that on and not just do it as a one time or one shot thing, but develop a consistent relationship with that person so that it's not just when you're in need, but it's an ongoing relationship that will continue to help make you a better you. Great. Thank you. Now, can you tell us about one of your greatest successes? One of my greatest successes would be starting my own business. So for a couple of years, I shopped around my skills and services to folks and I had no idea what to charge people. I had no idea how to say no to a project or cut my time off or have a come in a way that was meaningful. So I think starting my business and actually utilizing the services of a coach to help me brand and package and identify my target audience. Mm-hmm. It took me a while, but once I got the ball rolling, I saw great returns on my investment and I saw the abilities to grow my business, stretch my networks, develop lifelong relationships and business partners and friends. And to that, I'm forever grateful and, and see that as a definite success. So is this the position that you have now? It is not. So the position that I hold now is my full-time job Mm -hmm. and my consulting business is something that I do on the side. Hey leaders, stay tuned for the rest of the interview following this brief message. If you haven't downloaded your copy of the Master Leadership Journal, 
Go to masterleadership.org forward slash MLJ to get instant access and begin growing your leadership with questions that have been curated by top level leaders. I've also included some cool extras for you at masterleadership.org forward slash MLJ. So tell us about your consulting business. Definitely. So my consulting business is TNM Consulting LLC. And my primary focus is on program design, development, evaluation, and hosting and developing opportunities for people to facilitate community conversations, focus groups, and to be able to share back that information with the cohort of folks that they're trying to reach. And do you have a website? I do not have an active website, so... So if someone wanted to reach you... Definitely. So if someone wanted to reach me, the best way to contact me is by email. Mm -hmm. My email is Tanisha, T-E-N-I-S-H-A dot Malcolm, M-A-L-C-O-L-M at gmail.com. Best contact number would be 862-588-3451. Perfect. As I'm thinking about our listeners, I can see the value that you bring into school organizations because you work with the communities. And that's an important facet of the school environment to bring in the community, to work with the community. So thank you so much for that. No problem. Now, Tanisha, what would you tell a new leader who's discouraged about their working climate or culture? I would tell a new leader to not give up to avoid social comparison, to see failure as an opportunity, and to take opinions to heart. So, you know, don't think that if you go out and you set out to do something that it's just going to blow people out of their seats the first time around. You may have put your all into something, you put all all your ducks in a row, you have all the people who've RSVP'd for an event, or you've got all your flyers and marketing material out there, and you You have this thing or you do this thing and the response rate is zero to none. Mm -hmm. And you feel like it's a failed effort and it's actually not. The lessons you take away from something that you think is a failed effort, it helps you to reassess. It helps you to look back and reflect and think, what is it that I was missing? Why was this a failure? Or why did it not show up how I anticipated it would show up? So it forces you to do an inventory, right? Whether it's a self-inventory, whether it's just you looking back at your to-do list or your action plan and saying, is there something that I was missing? What's the missing pieces? Are there other people that I should have brought to the table? Where did I go wrong? And maybe even turn into others and ask them, was there something that I didn't do? Do you advise that I do something else moving forward? So never see it as a failure. It may be a disappointment in that moment, but don't hold it in your heart forever. Take those lessons away and kind of just move forward with it. And the next time you do it, you'll be a rock star, right? (laughs) Um, Or or it may take several times, but to be persistent, right, is important. Thank you so much for that. Now, many leaders describe themselves as lifelong learners. What does that mean to you? And what are you learning now? So I would say a lifelong learner is a person that um, does just that. They're forever learning new things. They're 
They're learning new ways that they can be better, uh, always looking for ways to amplify or to enhance what it is that they're already doing. Mm -hmm. For myself, I think I am learning daily to just accept folks for who they are and what they are. And in doing that, keeping an open mind around it. And again, using those four agreements that I mentioned earlier, one in particular, I tend to reference more frequently, which is to not take anything personally or to never make assumptions. Because when you think the reason someone isn't getting back to you is because, I don't know, they're having a bad day or they are just not good at checking email or responding to a text message, you never know what it is, right? Mm -hmm. So wanting to be mindful of other people and what they may be experiencing in their life course and being flexible around that and not to take every non-response as a negative response. That's big, not reading into things. You also said accepting folks for who they are and what they are. And that's pretty important as a leader. Definitely. Um, yeah. yeah. Now, if there were something you could change in education, what would that be? I think it would be the way we show up to others or the way we correspond with others. I talked earlier about being humble, being gracious, being kind. Mm -hmm. I think words matter a lot in spaces and the words that we use and the way we use those words actually make a difference. If I could change something in education, it would be the way we communicate with others. So I'm connecting this with, you know, what my heart speaks to leadership, teaching leadership skills. And that's so part of the way we communicate with each other. Be mindful of that. We don't often teach that in schools. So is that something that you think should be taught? Definitely. I think action words that evoke positive definitions or are encouraging people to be kinder to each other is something that is missing. Even greeting folks. I walked into a school setting yesterday and there was a security guard, a parent, and a child that were sitting in the corridor. And I came through the door and no one greeted right? And it's just, you're walking into a space that's probably feeling like people are already under stress. It's the end of the school year and teachers are wrapping up their lessons and cleaning up their classroom spaces and trying to wrap up on graduations and closing ceremonies and things like that. And everybody's feeling pressured. And it's a simple good evening, good morning, or hello that may change that person's day, that may change that person's mood, that may change how that person shows up the next time they see you. There's importance in smiling often. I think people are always feeling rushed or you know, disgruntled or they're always running against time. And I think just those small actions or gestures to evoke kindness creates a different setting and tone in our environments. So to be mindful of that wherever we go, especially when we're in a school setting, right? Because kids look at us and they imitate. It's more about walking the talk. Exactly. Great. Now, Tanisha, what have you read, watched, or listened to that our listeners should as well? And why? So I have been hooked to Oprah's Super Soul Conversations podcast. Mm -hmm. I discovered it 
couple months ago, I used to watch the program regularly and then I moved away from cable because I think cable <laughs> is an exorbitant extra cost. So I no longer have access to it on my television, but by way of the technology gods, they have a free podcast. They have great guests. They have great topics of discussion. They update it just about weekly. So sometimes in a car ride to work or even en route to pick up my daughter, I generally will plug it into my phone and hook it up to my car and listen to it. They're like 30 minutes, but they're always really empowering and impactful messages from a diverse array of guests, from spiritual leaders to business owners, to individuals who are just making social impact and change. So definitely, I would encourage folks, if they have the ability to download Oprah's Super Soul Conversations, I guess I'm giving her a free plug. Um, Yeah, like she needs it, right? (laughs) You should (laughs) to master leadership too. Master leadership should be on your number one list. Girl, thank you. Definitely. Yeah, I plugged into these super soul conversations and they're pretty wonderful. They are. Thank you so much for that. Now you have a lot of responsibilities. So what do you do on a daily basis to set your mind? So I have attempted to set my mind. I have attempted to create a life of movement. Instead of being the sloth that I can be in the early morning hours, (laughs) I have decided to join a gym. In the winter months, I actually was going to the gym more frequently, about three days a week, and just spending 30 minutes on the treadmill, starting my day early, getting those endorphins going, movement, right? Movement keeps you focused, it builds your energy and develops your stamina. But I am not a gym fan. I actually do not like confined spaces. So I was waiting for the weather to break. We are actually in what appears to be summer, I think. And since that, I have resumed my outdoor fitness activities. So I meet a former colleague of mine, She's actually encouraged me to get up a little bit earlier and we go for about a four mile walk every morning. This is, I think, week two of it. So we're back into developing a routine Um, and it really helps to kind of kick my day off to a good start. I try my very best to wake up every morning in a spirit of joy and peace because I anticipate throughout the course of the day, there'll be some incident that is going to go awry. So in preparation for that, I try to kind of build my mental stamina to prepare and shield myself from the craziness that exists in the world, in the communities I work in, uh, with the people that I interface with, with personal relationships that I may encounter. And again, not to say that I'm walking around Zen-like every day, but I do that would be weird. That would be weird, right? <laughs> if I walked around burning incense and sage all day, every day. But I try and I, I work hard at just trying to find inner peace, understanding that I can't manage it all. I'm a wife, I'm a mother, I'm a daughter, I'm a niece, I'm a granddaughter. And I know that there's a lot of people that depend on me. And if I am not any good to myself by finding a mental wellness space, then I'm no good to the others that rely so heavily on my support. 
And we need you well. <laughs> Indeed. So, thank you so much for that. Sure. Now, Tanisha, if you were to go back in time, what advice would you give the younger you about leadership? The advice that I would give to my younger self would be to seize every opportunity, to stay away from people who are uninspired, who are unexcited, and who are ungrateful, and to just be unstoppable. You can make the impossible possible. You just have to take it in bits and pieces. You can't take on too much at once because then it becomes overwhelming, it becomes unrealistic, and then it's no longer tangible to you. Right. So I think taking bits and pieces, taking it in nuggets, taking it with the great advice and knowledge of others that have come before you to kind of carry or continue a legacy or even create your own. Well said. Thank you so much. Is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners that we haven't addressed? I would say to all of the leaders out there, just continue to be great, right? Continue to affirm yourself daily. We put ourselves in spaces where we are challenged by what others say about us or what others do to us, but don't harbor those things. Try to take away from them or find a positivity in them and keep yourself balanced and keep yourself aligned with what it is that you know you're setting out to do for yourself, not to be influenced by the negativity that may come your way, but to just forge ahead, carry your torch, make your light shine bright, dim it for no one, and continue to just do great and excellent things. Tanisha, I want to thank you so much for adding value to me and to our listeners. It has been a pleasure to have this conversation with you. I thank you for the opportunity and the platform. Continue to be a master at your leadership ability and continue to share your journeys with others. Thank you. Have a great day. You as well. Hello, leaders. In closing, here's a quick message. Coaching is the art of influence that underpins leadership in the 21st century. It is the very thing that can get you from being stuck to being extraordinary. So go to masterleadership.org and sign up to get a free coaching session. Until next time, continue to ignite that leader in you.